I am going to bring flood waters on the earth to destroy all life under the heavens and every creature that has breath of life in it. Everything on earth will perish. But I will establish my covenant with you and you will and you shall and you will enter the ark. You you and your sons and your wife and your son's wife with you. Amen. 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 established uh, a practice. I don't know if you guys can hear me, but uh, your elders have learned a secret, and they realize the importance of prayer. When the elders meet, every time they meet, they take time to focus on prayer, and they, they, speak, they pick specific things to pray about. And as they are praying about these specific things, they've discovered that God had been answering those prayers. And so we went a little further, and what we did is we started to say, hey, as elders, let's pray, and let's come together with themes. And these themes we wanted to bring to the church, and then see how God does this on a church level, right? We, we know what he's doing on an individual level. So we started the month of January with prayer, and that was our theme. Every message you heard, every speaker came in and shared with you about prayer. But we're into February, and prayer is still an important part. Did you notice how God used that? And now we have this blessed box where we're pulling names out, and we're saying, hey, we're not just going to pray for the month of January. We're going to pray specifically for each and every family, and God's going to do that. And God's been doing wonderful things because of that. Well, the second month, the month of February, was what theme? Anybody know? Families. Hasn't it been so neat to see all the families coming up here in the front? Now, I hope, just like prayer that we don't just say, oh, the month of February is over. We're just going to forget about families. Guys, we need to carry these things forward as God keeps giving us. Do you know what your next theme is? Spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts. And so every month there's going to be a theme this year, okay? And everything's going to come around. And we just want to see what God's going to do. Because I believe, as you look at Turkey, right, as we've learned, or Turkey, as some of you think, um, there's earthquakes happening, yes? You look around you, there's disease spreading everywhere. And we're seeing these things intensify. And so we should know the times in which we are living. And it's important to bring that into our mindset because we want to save our families, don't we? Isn't it precious to see the families come up? 
How many of you want to see families in heaven? How many of you want to see families reunited at the resurrection? I don't know about you, but I would be really, really sad if even one of my family wasn't there. I mean, think about it for eternity. To not have them there, as much as you might get annoyed with family at times, as much as you might struggle with family at times, the idea of not having family is hard, isn't it? And so today's message is our last opportunity to talk about families. And what I'm going to focus on today is what do we need to lose in order that we might save Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, I just want to thank you so much for your word. Lord, you said in your word that if even one in our church would pray, not just pray a casual prayer, but would earnestly pray that you would create a revival of true godliness that would spread throughout the entire congregation, and Lord, we've seen in, this, in just the, the, the outside of this church and in another area, another place, we've heard the story of how this group grew and grew and, and, and that they were impacting people that were even more than the people of their town. So Lord, we know your word is true. But Lord, may it not just be something that happens in some remote place, but Lord, I pray that the families of the Bucks County Seventh-day Adventist Church would experience the power of prayer. I pray, Lord, that they would understand and know that they have a God that is ever with them in every trial, every struggle. Help us, Lord, as we turn our hearts to this message about family that we would understand what it is, Lord, that we need to lose in order that we might save. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so the children's story has already preached my message. What am I to do? What am I to do? I think we're just going to need to hear it again. Amen. So we're going to turn to Matthew chapter 16 because there's nobody but Jesus that I really want to teach me. Amen? And Jesus has a message for us. Matthew 16, and we're going to read verses 24 to 26. Some hard words of Jesus. Let's see if we can read them together. You guys see it on the screen? Now, these microphones seem to be in the way of the screen. Is it bothering anybody? I don't know. When I was sitting there, all I saw was the microphone. So I hope that's not the issue. But you know what? You can avoid that by going to the clear word. Amen? Not the clear word Bible, but the clear word. The the scripture is right in front of you. If you've got glasses, you can put them on, get large print, whatever you need. All right. So Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, Jesus said to his disciples, Jesus said to the Bucks County Church. Amen. What did he say? He said, if anyone desires to come after me, anybody today at Bucks County desire to follow Jesus? Yes. I see your hands going up. It says, let him do what? Deny himself. You got to lose something, don't you? What are you losing here? You're denying something for yourself. I mean, it's not easy to deny self. If it was, everybody would be in shape. Everybody would be eating well. Yes? 
Everybody would have smiles on their faces. Everybody would be doing really well. Everybody would have a great savings account. Yes? Everybody would be, would be prepared. Why? But we don't have these things because oftentimes we're not willing to deny. Yes? Is it true? We're not willing to deny. But Jesus said, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. Oftentimes we can think of what others need to deny. Yes? But what about ourselves? And what do we do? We deny ourselves and that's it? Take up his cross and what? Follow me. The cross isn't a message that tells me it's going to be easy. Is it? I mean, there's a lot of hope with the cross. There's a lot of encouragement from the cross. There's a lot of forgiveness from the cross. But it shows me that all those things require a sacrifice. And without a sacrifice, we have no hope. We have no forgiveness. We have nothing. So in order to save your life, Jesus says, you must lose it. He says, for whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake, for whose sake? For Jesus' sake will do what? They're going to find it. Okay, so I want us to understand the context of what Jesus was saying this in. And I'm so glad for the word of God that they're, they're, they're in all different places. So you're going to have to hold that for a minute because we're going to come to it later in the sermon. But I want to go back on a journey to a man who was able to save his family. A man who was able to save his family in a time in which everyone around him was evil and only evil continually. So how then can you, in a time in which the world around you is just getting more and more evil, how can you save your family? I mean, we want to make it practical, right? So let's see what we can find. Before we go there, verse 26. For what profit is it to a man if he gains what? The whole world and loses what? His own soul. My friends, it's not just your family. It's your own salvation. Are you seeing that? So let's see what the Bible says. Or what would a man give in exchange for his soul? Isn't that priorities? What's of more value? Your soul or a little time on YouTube? <laughs> What's more valuable to you? Your family or catching the next episode of whatever? What's more important? What are you willing to sacrifice? I know the youth group, I got wind of this. It's, it's pretty powerful. I, I don't know if you guys go into the youth group's area. They got a wall of prayer. Did you guys know that? They remodeled that area, and I know they're still looking for maybe some more. They're, they're, they want to do some fundraisers things because they want to replace the carpet. They want that place to be a nice place, but they've got the wall of prayer. And one thing I just heard is that they've decided that they're going to keep themselves from playing certain video games or whatever 
And I, and I would assume that they're not just cutting those things off, but so they could focus more on their prayers and, and, and their walk with Jesus. They're willing to sacrifice something to gain something. Amen? If the youth can do it, what about you? What about me? What would you give? So let's go to Genesis 16. I'm sorry, Genesis 6, 17 and 18. First book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 6. 17 and 18. You guys get there, say amen. 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 You guys are fast. Genesis 6, 17 and 18, it says, And behold, I myself, that is God speaking, in bringing what? Floodwaters Flood on the earth. Um, and it goes on to say that it won't just be on the earth, but he's coming to destroy from under heaven how much? All flesh from which is the breath of life. Everybody was condemned to die. Does that, does that ring any bells about what the scriptures say? All have sinned and the wages of sin is death. We've all been condemned. Yes? We all deserve to die. But I'm so glad for the word in the scriptures, but. <laughs> Amen? Because he said everyone's going to die. Everything on the earth shall die. Everything. But I will establish my promise, my covenant with Bucks County. Amen. Amen. With the families of Bucks County Church, I'm going to establish my covenant with you. Why? Because you're going to be saved in the ark. Amen. Do you guys know that there's an ark to save you and your family? And I want you to picture this because in the days of Noah, I can be 100% confident because Jesus said it would be like the days in which we live now, that there were all sorts of different groups in that day. You know, sometimes we picture in our imaginations that everybody was walking around and stabbing each other, you know, taking each other's wives. I mean, we're thinking of the wickedness like that. But I want you to picture that there were church groups meeting. I want you to picture that there were people that were saying, you've got to just live off the land and, and, and you've got to do this and that. And they were so busy, they didn't hear the voice of God. They were attempting to live righteous lives. I mean, if you read the spirit of prophecy, you realize that not everybody was into the idolatry of what we think, but they were in this sense of idolatry because they were following self instead of denying it. So I want you to picture it wasn't a lot different than it is today. There were people preaching and speaking and telling people they've got to be faithful to God. There were people doing this, but they had not the attention of God. Just like Jesus said, many will come to me and say, Lord, Lord, we did this and we did that. And he says, I don't know who you are. So my friends, in order that we can not be one of those groups, we need to focus in on what was it that Noah did that got the attention of God? What was it that was different about Noah that Noah was able to have his children get into the boat? Because my friends, it doesn't always work that way, does it? We live in a world that's bad. How can we save our families. What does it matter if we have a theme on family if our families are all lost? What does it matter if 
we give everything to the church and our family aren't in heaven for eternity. What does it matter? I want us to focus on what matters. What matters is we need to hear the voice of God. And God needs to know you by name. And so how do we learn this? It says you, your son, your wives, and your son's wives with you. Man, that's what I want. Amen? I can't wait till one day when my boys get older and they have their wives and their kids and, you know, I'm no longer having to pay for everything. <laughs> but no, seriously, won't it be nice to see your kids and them happy and their children and then to see them in heaven for eternity? Won't that be a blessing? But there was a condition going on. Genesis chapter 6, let's take a look there. Verse 5. It says in God's word, then the Lord saw the wickedness of man was what? It was great. If God was to look at the news channel, any of them, ABC, NBC, Fox, what would he say about the condition of this earth? What would he say about Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love? What would happen if you just drove through the streets late at night? What would you see? How comfortable would you be like in the days of Lot if you were wandering through the heart of Philadelphia late at night and you decided to go to Love Park to spend the night? Do you think that we might be at a time in which God is saying enough is enough. You don't know when that angel's going to go and check the final check of the state of our times, right? But you want to be ready, yes? And so what does he say? He says it was great in the earth and that the intent, that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was what? Continually. Continually, my friends. It didn't matter if they were in a worship service. It didn't matter where they were. The intent of their heart was continually evil. And notice this. The Lord says he was sorry. Can you imagine? I mean, the same Lord who, who had made the heavens and the earth, and on that first Sabbath, he was like, yes, Adam, look at this. Look what I have done. I mean, just the joy in his eyes and his heart as he was there bringing this wonderful pair that would reflect his image to not just this world, but to the worlds, to heaven itself. We were intended to be a representation of God. He was so happy. Never before had he made any creation that could be made in his image. Every other creation, no matter how wonderful and splendid, could not reflect the perfect image of God. And now he had made humanity. And then he became sorrowful. This isn't what I intended. This isn't what I wanted the world to see. This isn't what I wanted angels to see. I'm sorry that I made man on the earth. It says he was grieved. Can you imagine this? The long-suffering, almighty God was grieved. He looked and he said, this is not it. I 
can't believe I did this. So the Lord said, I will destroy man who I've created from the face of the earth, both man and animal, creeping thing and even the birds that fly in the sky, for I am sorry that I have made them. And I'm glad the verse didn't stop there. Aren't you glad it didn't stop right there? He said this, but. Don't you like the word but? Now, some people learned at the funeral service yesterday (laughs) about what a plumber's crack is. (laughs) And I had to take someone aside. I won't call them out. I had to explain to them because they had never heard of a plumber's crack before. Now, you might be wondering, why was that mentioned at a funeral service? Because at the service, we were celebrating the life of this individual. And uh, this one family member was sharing how had to explain to Betty Patron what a plumber's crack was. So not everybody knows what a plumber's crack is. But my friends, this kind of butt is not that kind of butt. (laughs) Amen? This is a good butt. (laughs) This is something that you should rejoice, but God can say, look, the whole world has left me, but Andre Clark didn't, but Max didn't, but Pastor didn't, but put your name there. Amen? But Noah found something. What did did Noah find? Noah found grace where? In the eyes of the Lord. That means to me that Noah was gracious to his wife. Because how could you love God whom you have not seen if you can't love those whom you have seen? That means Noah was gracious to his children. In order for Noah to have found grace in the eyes of God, he had to be living grace in his life. Are you following? It wasn't that type of religion that is often promoted that says, if you don't do this, 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 and this, you're going to be lost and God hates you. You've got to do this. And most people think denying self means that you really just walk around and smack yourself and you, you just, every time you want to do something, you say, bam, and hit yourself in the face. I'm not going to do that. And you walk around like a grumpy Adventist. My friends, grumpy Adventists won't be saved. I think Noah was a happy man. I think his kids would have gotten up and testified that my dad is a great dad. I want to be like Noah. I don't think his religion was some sort of religion that wasn't to be envied. I mean, people must have looked at Noah and said, that man is crazy. He's happy all the time and he's not eating pork and he's not doing this, he's not doing that. But he doesn't seem to be walking around like this. (laughs) He's happy and his kids are happy. What is it that Noah had? Noah had a relationship with Jesus. And that relationship impacted his family. Noah talked to Jesus. Amen? Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So let's go on a little bit further. Let's see if the Bible talks a little bit more about Noah. See if we can uncover this. 2 Peter. 2 Peter 2, verse 5. When you get there, say amen. 2 Peter chapter 2. 
and verse 5. Well, that's 1 Peter. That won't work too well. 2 Peter. Amen. I'm seeing a few, a few amens. The Word of God says, this thing's moving all around. See, you know, my ears, they just don't, they don't hold like they should, you know? When I get to heaven, I'll have those earlobes like you guys have. Mine are attached. Let's see if we can make that work. I don't know. Hold it up. Is that better? All right. Just need a few helpers here. All right, it says, and did not spare. God did not spare the ancient world, but what did he do? Where's that but again? But he saved Noah. Well, what else does it say about Noah? One of how many? Eight people, a preacher of righteousness. So now we know that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. Wow. Bringing in the flood, the scripture says, on the world of the ungodly. So let's see if we can understand this preacher of righteousness business a little bit. Let's go to Hebrews now. Hebrews 11, verse 7. I don't know if you guys, but you got to, in order for you to love the Bible, you have to love to study the Bible. You know, and as you study the Bible, you find that the Bible just explains itself and you start to fall in love with the, the writer of the scriptures. And that, that's God. Amen? Hebrews 11, verse 7. It says, by faith... Noah being divinely warned of things not yet seen. Let's stop there for a minute. How was Noah divinely warned? You know, sometimes we think, we, we, we read too many children's stories and we think that like, you know, this great light just shone around Noah and he heard this voice from on high that says, Noah! Oh wait, it must be God. Yes, God, build this ark for the saving of your home and your household. Okay, God. And then he just went and did it. No, no, it it, it wasn't any different than it is for you and me. Noah didn't have some sort of extra, you know, uh, anything. And the reason we know that, the reason we know it 100% is because Jesus came to demonstrate that he didn't get any extra advantages. When Jesus came, he wasn't born. Can I get a handheld mic? I don't know. This thing's just bothering me. The green one. Green means go, right? Hey, there we go. All right, we'll take that one. Let's unmute it. Hello. There we go. All right. So Noah didn't have experience like of God just speaking like that. I don't think that's what happened because that would have been easy. Then the devil could have said, well, anybody would have done that. Anybody would have just turned around and built an ark and done that. God just picked out Noah on his own. Like, no, no, you know from the story of Job that God couldn't get away with anything like that. I'll tell you that Noah heard from God because Noah was spending time with God. Because Noah's religion was not a religion of I do this and I do that, but it was a religion of here I am, God, what would you have me do? And Noah 
was in such connection with God that his heart beat with the heart of God. He was grieved. He knew that the world was coming to an end, that it couldn't continue like this forever. His heart grieved over all the cases of abuse, all the cases of things that were happening to the young children and the women, the families being torn apart, all these things. And God spoke through Noah, through his personal relationship, through the inclination, that still small voice, and Noah had to then, by faith, understand that that was God. By his experiences that he'd had before with God, and he had to step out and say, look, family, I believe God's going to destroy the world with the flood, and he's impressed me in my daily worship times, and I need to build a boat. I don't think he'd be in the faith chapter any different than any other if he didn't have the same kind of faith you and me have to experience. So stop sitting there and saying, well, I'm not going to get involved in the church. I'm not going to do this or that until God just puts a light around me and speaks it right out because, my friends, you're going to be lost with the rest of them that were floating in the water. God says, my, my people will hear my voice. And you've heard that voice. You have heard that voice. You need to focus in on that voice. Let everything else in the world just become dim. And focus in. When you're having your devotions, don't just focus on, did I finish my devotions today? Focus in on, did I hear the voice of God today? And start experimenting with it. You'll start to learn when it was God's voice and when it wasn't. But you've got to become people of action. You hear the voice, you do what he says. It might mean you're a part of a committee or you're doing something you normally wouldn't have done, but you follow that voice and then you see and you evaluate it. Vernon will like that part. You evaluate it and you see, okay, was this really the voice of God? And then you go, well, how do I know if it was the voice of God? Well, now your devotions are going to be a lot more meaningful because when you read in the Bible, you'll start to see that there are tons of examples of other people who have gone through it, and you can relate it to that. Does it fit? Is this how God operates? Are you following? Guys, if it was any easier If it was any easier for you, I don't know what God could do. The reason it's hard is because we're hard. It's because we're looking for something different. We think if it's easy, it's because God's going to put A, B, C, D, you do this, 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 and that. And he says, that's not how I operate. He's like, I'm looking out on the scene, and I see today that this person just got news on this, and I'm having you drive down here to get your tomatoes. And as you're on your way to tomatoes, I intercept this, and God says, I need someone who's listening so that the coach can just simply say, hey, you're here. You're the only one in the crossfire of this person. So I need this person to go and say this. I need you to pray with this individual. And we as his people need to be able to go, okay, thank you, God, and go. And then when you get that confirmation, you realize, wow, how would God have known? I know I didn't know that. How would that have happened? I just heard the voice of God. Now you put that in a little box and then you hear it again. You put, 
I'm starting to understand when it's God's voice and not my own. And then you can have something called faith because faith is based on the evidence. Are you guys following? All right. So what happens next? It says he was moved with godly fear. Do you have godly fear? Or are you just afraid of what people might think? Are you afraid of how you might feel about something? Godly fear. Godly fear says, I don't want God to be ashamed that I am not reflecting his image. I don't want God to be sorry that he formed and fashioned me in my mother's womb. I don't want God to forget why he put me on this planet. I want to fulfill his will. That's godly fear. And he did so by preparing an ark for what purpose? The saving of his household. But my friends, it wasn't a pretty sight. Can you imagine? He's out there building a boat on dry land. That took some faith, didn't it? I'm sure his friends, I'm sure the boys came home sometimes, said, Daddy, my friends are making fun of me. Can you just build at night? Could you put like, you know, a a shed around here? I mean, he had real kids, right? The Bible never says that his kids found grace in the eyes of God. The Bible's never said his wife found. And I'm not saying he must have had a wonderful wife. What the Bible said was Noah found grace in the eyes of God. So there could have been times like with Job where Noah was all by himself. And sometimes you might find yourself in that condition. But in doing so, what did he do? What did Noah's life do to the world? The contrast of Noah to the world condemned the world. Yes? It condemned the world, and he, that's Noah, became the heir of righteousness, which is according to what? According to faith. So you and me are sitting there and we're going, well, I I don't want to be condemned. I want to be like Jesus. I want to be like Noah. Yes? So Romans 8 has some good news. Here's the but. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. To be in Christ Jesus means you're in a relationship with Christ Jesus. That doesn't mean your name is on the church books. That doesn't mean you heard you hold a church office. That means that you are in Christ and Christ is in you. That means you reflect his image. That means you show grace to other people. That means you live by faith. That means you deny yourself in order that you may save yourself and the world, and your family, whoever you can. It says, those who have that relationship, who have no condemnation, do not walk according to the flesh. The ones whose thoughts and intents are constantly evil are those who are listening to themselves. So Jesus says, if you want to be my disciple, you can't be listening to yourself. 
You have to deny those thoughts. You know those thoughts that say, but they deserve this. No, I don't want to forgive them this. No, every time I do this, I'm the only one that has to do it. You know, all that that brings bitterness and that causes you to not want to listen next time God asks you to do something. Because the last time he asked you to do something, you were embarrassed. Your children were embarrassed. It didn't get supported the way you thought it would. Maybe you're just flat out tired of doing it. God says it's not really a matter of whether you're tired of doing it, whether or not you're being embarrassed, whether or not this happened. He says you need to deny those thoughts. And walk according to my spirit. Is it, you know, if this was easier, <laughs> I want to make it. I want to tell you the truth. This is the easiest thing ever. The reason why it's so easy is because all you have to do, the only thing you have to do, is stop believing yourself and be directed by God. Let him be in charge. You know, a lot of times women s- struggle with the word submission because they've been taught that they're going to be happier if they don't submit to anyone. But when you can finally submit to someone else, oh my goodness, especially if they're good, that's a lot less anxiety. Like if I could submit to my wife to handle all the finances which I've done, Oh, my goodness, it's a lot less anxiety for me, but not for her. Right? The person who's being, getting something submitted to is the one that bears the burden, the responsibility. That's why all of us submit to Jesus. Yes? We submit to Jesus because we bear, he bears our burdens. He bears our anxieties. He bears our struggles and our difficulties. He even bears our failures. We don't have to worry about that either. If you get called by God to do something, he bears what happens. It's actually a lot easier than you think. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. The law of sin and death is me trying to live righteously. Me trying to do what's right. God never asked you to do that. He said, just listen to my voice. He says, you're not even smart enough to know how to keep the Sabbath. He says, you're not smart enough to know when to say this and when not to. And you might go, that sounds really mean of God. Well, something happened to our brains when we ate of that fruit. Do you know that? It doesn't function in its fullness. It just doesn't. And it's not God being insultive. He says, look, you are one day going to reflect the sun like I do. You one day will be light and bright shining stars. You are going to be reflections of the very face of God to the universe. God does not look down on us. But in order for us to get there, we got to start knowing the source we got to start reflecting him. we got to start hearing from him. That's why the Bible says, for what the law, that's the, the, the flesh, the, 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 our own thoughts could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. It was broken. It wasn't fully there. God did by sending his own son reflect that image 
He sent his son to die on a cross. All who desire to follow after me will bear that cross. And in the likeness of sinful flesh, on the account of sin, he condemns sin in his flesh. Amen? That the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. What is God trying to do? He's trying to reflect himself in our, we're supposed to reflect his image. Let's stop making him sorry. And let's start making him happy. According to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So back to Noah. Genesis 7 verse 1. What does God say to Noah? Then the Lord said to Noah, come into the ark, you and all your household. How many of you guys want Jesus to say that to you? He's going to destroy this world, not with a flood of water, but a flood of fire. You know that, right? How are you going to be fireproof? Says, because I've seen you are righteous before me in this generation. God is not asking you to be righteous in Noah's generation. He's not asking you to be righteous in the generation of Daniel. He's not asking you to be righteous in the generation of the disciples. He says, in this generation, in every generation, there has been a measurement of righteousness. Just look and see. Jesus had said that if, if, you know, to the Pharisees and scribes, had he not come, some of them would have been saved. But they did not receive. They were not following the voice of God. They were living only unto the light of which of times past. They were refusing the light of present truth. And my friends, you will not be saved if you're not living according to present truth, meaning you have to have a present. You can't rely on what great grandma did and what she said. You need to know the God that great grandma knew. Amen? In this generation. And as it was, Luke 17 says, we're, we're going to bring this whole thing together. As it was in whose day? The days of Noah. It also will be when? In today's day, so we know that it's going to be very similar, and it is. They ate, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage. I used to struggle over this verse until I wrote, read Job. You're going to see that here in a second. Until the day that Noah entered into the ark and the flood came and did what? Destroyed them all. What did Job do? That is in contrast to, and probably what Noah did as well. I don't have a verse for Noah, so I went to Job. What did Noah do in case his sons and daughters had been eating and drinking and giving in marriage and all these things, not caring and not realizing the times in which they did? How did Job save his family? It says this is what he did. His kids would go invite themselves over to eat and drink with each other. They were having a good time. So it was in the days of the feasting as they had run their course that Job would sin and sanctify them. We need some parents. We need some fathers. We need some mothers who are going to rise up day after day and sanctify their children. He would rise early in the morning, the scripture says, and he would offer a burnt offering according to the number of them all. For Job said, it may be that my children 
have sinned and curse God in their hearts. What if we were praying that for the church family here? What if we were offering sacrifices for each other saying, it may be that one of us has strayed away and cursed God in their heart and we prayed for them, sanctified them, offered the sacrifice of Jesus on their behalf, offered them forgiveness before they've even acknowledged their sin. I bet that Noah did that with his children. That's why they got in the ark. That's why he was a preacher of righteousness. That's why he found grace. That's why the scripture says nothing about the condition of the children. It was dad that got on his knees. And they saw the image of God in dad. So when dad got into the boat, they followed him in. Thus Job did every Sabbath. Regularly. Consistently, time and time again. So let's bring this back to Luke. We were just in Luke. We jumped off just to explain a little portion. Verse 31, it says, In that day he who is on his housetop and his goods are in the house, let him not come down to take them away. You know the verse. Likewise, the one who's in the field, let him not turn back. Why? Remember Lot's wife. Lost wife turned back. It's that context that Jesus said this statement. Then it made a lot more sense. Whoever seeks to save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life will preserve it. So how do we lose to save? We have to get our heart out of this world, my friends. We got to have our priorities shifted. Is our families our number one priority? If our families are our number one priority, then is our life reflecting that priority? Because you got to lose something. We only have so many hours in a day, yes? If you go to an amusement park, you're sacrificing hours of your day for the reward of the entertainment and the thoughtless cares and the great time that you're going to have for that moment. And so you're weighing it out and you make the decision that the sacrifice of my time that I'll never get back is worth the reward. But the question is, are we actually believing that our families are worth the sacrifice it's going to take to present them before the Lord every day? What are we willing to give up so that we can have time to become preachers of righteousness in our own homes? To find grace in our own homes. What are you willing to lose in order that you might save your family? As you're thinking about that thought, I'm going to invite Andre up here and his team. They're going to sing some, some lines of amazing grace. And then I'm going to come back to a final 
wrap up here. And so I want to make sure you guys don't lose it. But just think about that. What am I? Forget anything you've been told by anyone else. Listen to that still small voice as you're listening to this and ask the question, not what am I going to give up so I can earn favor with God? What am I willing to lose? It might be good things so that I can have my priorities right to save my family. What am I willing to lose that I might save my family? Amazing grace, how sweet the your minds. I once was lost, but now I'm, fi- I'm found. I was, I was lost, but Christ has saved me. Amen. Amen. I want to just skip right on to here. First Peter chapter three and verse 20. It says who formerly were disobedient. Can any of us relate to that? Were we formally disobedient? Maybe you were disobedient even today, but today you've given your life to Jesus. Today you've said, you know what? I surrender all to my Lord and Savior. There's nothing that I want more. If, if God just hears that voice coming from your heart, that there's nothing more important to me than to hear your voice, God, to save my family, to save those that are not currently here in this church today. If if that is the condition that you have gone from disobedient to obedient. When once the divine long-suffering God waited in the days of Noah, waited in the days of Bucks County, 7th Avenue Church, waited in the days of, of, of Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love, waited for them to show that brotherly love again, waited for them to care. While the ark was being prepared, do you know that Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you? And if it were not so, I would have told you. He's coming back. In which it says a few. A few. That is eight. Out of the entire world, eight. We're listening to the voice of God. My friends, I know more than eight today are hearing God's voice. I know you're listening, whether you're online or you're here. You're listening to God's voice. Do not harden your heart as they did in the days past. Do not harden your heart. Whatever he's telling you, whatever he's asking you to do, whatever ministry he wants you involved in, whatever it is that God is asking you to say and to do with your family, whatever forgiveness needs to be done, 
whatever relationship needs to be mended, my friends, don't let that uncomfortable feeling become comfortable. Press into that discomfort. Press into it with all that you have. Everything, every ounce that you have, press into the discomfort. Grab that cross and put it on. Deny that selfish thought that says, no, I will continue to do nothing. And say, I will do something. I am a disciple of God. I am not a disciple of men. My friends, when you get to that point, Jesus says you will be one of the few. But he tells you where to begin. He tells you what it is that you need to do today if you haven't done it. He says, look, the, the story of Noah and the ark was an anti-type. That just simply means it was, it's there so you can understand the days in which you live and you can understand what you need to do. He says, it also, there's something for you to be saved by today. Baptism. If you haven't been baptized, if your children haven't been baptized, make that a priority. Don't wait on anyone else. Don't wait on the world to come and get in the water because they're never going to jump in if you don't get in first. Start putting the nails into the ark. Start putting the wood and putting it in place. The first piece of wood that has to be placed into the ark is you. You've got to be put into the water, my friends. You've got to trust God, and you've got to go deep into the water. You've got to go to where others have gone and not come back, and you've got to come forth as Christ resurrected and ready to live a new life for him. And my friends, you can then have an answer of good conscience. You can sleep good at night. Conscience toward God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you have not been baptized, please do not delay. Jesus is coming. You see the earthquakes. You see the diseases. You see the spirit of God pouring out. It's time to respond. Forget what you're thinking. Forget what's going on in your heart. Maybe you need to be rebaptized. You know who you are. You've, you've, you've walked away. You haven't been living according to the voice of God, and you want to just publicly say, I'm done. Enough is enough. I want to reflect the image of God. I want to find his grace. Then you too should come and be baptized. My friends, the tank should be flowing week after week. It should be a testimony. As the animals that came in the days of Noah and they filtered in one by one, the world should see what's going on at the Bucks County Church. Why is their water bill so high? Why does it seem like people are just giving their lives to Jesus, my friends? We've got to have a testimony. We've got to start preaching righteousness. The world's got to start questioning and wondering why is it happening. And so, my friends, I appeal to you. Make a decision today. If you need to come to the front and just reconnect with God, then come to the front because as we hear this last line, I think you guys have another line, right? Amen. As you hear this last line, I want you to know that I'm going to be the first one in the front. This doesn't mean you're going to get baptized or you need to be rebaptized. If you want that, you should be here too. Amen. 
But come talk to me privately about it if you want to. That's okay. The invitation, the appeal, is anybody who feels that they've not been living according to the Spirit of God, they've been just going through the motions, or maybe you say, hey, you know what? I've been doing the best I can, but today God's tapped me on my shoulder, and I want to reconnect. I want to not just hear about prayer. I don't want to just hear about family. I want to be a part of the family of God. Come up here, and we're going to have a closing prayer together, and just listen to these words as you're coming forward. To us grace that taught my heart to believe the I first believed. Lord, you have heard, you have seen, and in contrast to the wickedness that's going all around, Lord, you have seen those that have come forward and said, I'm going to listen to your voice. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to pray for my family. I'm going to pray for my church family. I'm going to pray for those that aren't here. I'm not going to wait for someone else, but I'm going to make the effort. I'm going to be your vessel. I'm not going to wait until I'm asked. I'm going to find work to do. I'm going to follow you because, Lord, you said those who are working, the Spirit will be poured upon. Because you said those who are your disciples will deny themselves and their thoughts and their excuses and that they will find ways to bring glory and honor to your name. Lord, you have said that those who are yours will find grace. Lord, I pray that we could be known as a church full of grace. We wouldn't be known as the church of the law, but the church of grace that lives the law. Not as a law that is a burden, but a law of liberty. Lord, may we be filled with joy in our hearts and peace. May those that are struggling, Lord, with anxieties and fears and discouragement and depression, may, Lord, those things melt away. Lord, may they find the answers and the hope and the peace that they're so longing for. Father, you've seen those that have come forward today. They are like the blind man that stood by the road and begged. They're like the one, Lord, who had leprosy and said, Jesus, will you touch me? Lord, they don't have the answers. They just know, Lord, that you've called them, that you've told them that they will hear your voice. And some of them want to hear your voice so much more. They want to understand you. They want to experience you deeper, but they, they keep falling down, and they just want to know that they're accepted and loved. And, Lord, today I pray that they've heard that, that they know that you know them, and you will never leave them or forsake them. Lord, I thank you for those that have come forward and those that have not 
And I just want to pray, Father, a special prayer and a special anointing of your spirit. Lord, as we move to our next theme that was brought to us through prayer, spiritual gifts, I pray, Father, that these families that are represented, these praying families at this church, would use every gift that they have to bring more people to Christ. Help us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to invite the, as we close this month of 